Zito from seventh to first in the final event. You are a champion. And Oleksiak has done it! The girl from the six has got six Olympic medals. The substitute for Canada just about gets it through. It's a glory gold for Canada. Kathy Lifting goes up to Graham, takes the lead, looks a winner, draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for an absolutely massive interview. What better way to start the next phase after we bring you off on a clip show by bringing you an absolute gigantuan name in the world of the Olympics, Donovan Bailey, a man who conquered the sprinting world in the 1990s, former world record holder in the 100-metre sprint, two-time Olympic gold medalist, still the current world record holder in the 50 metres, if you don't mind, and an absolute icon of not only Canadian Olympics, but Olympics in general. Who can forget the image of Donovan Bailey crossing the line in Atlanta to win the 100 metres? Absolutely iconic. Collins had that image sitting behind him basically forever as he obviously looks up to this man. It's kind of sad that Colin's not on this episode today, which you'll hear us talk a little bit in this chat with. But you're going to hear a lot from Donovan here about his career, the sport that he nearly could have been an Olympian in, another sport that he wanted to pursue as a kid that he was a lot more passionate about and still plays to this day, believe it or not. Absolutely great to hear about that. Just the the process and how quickly he turned to sprinting and then turned that sprinting into becoming an Olympic champion only a couple years after how he fully took on sprinting as his profession. And a lot about the Atlanta final and and not about the stuff that he always talks about. A little bit more around just what happened in that 24 hours in the lead up to that race. Obviously, the tragic Atlanta bombing happened during those Olympics. And this happened less than 24 hours out from his race. So we learn a little bit more about how that affected his preparation and just the security and everything that came around that. It's a great chat with Donovan. You're going to get a lot from this and you are going to enjoy every single second of it. So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with Olympic legend from Canada, Donovan Bailey. Absolute honour to be able to welcome our next guest to Off the Podium, a man who really needs little introduction, a two-time Olympic champion, the former fastest man. I'm just going to call him the fastest man. What He still holds the world record in the 50 metres, so I'm just saying that that counts as still the fastest man in the world. And recently released author from the book Undisputed, A Champion's Life, which is now available, telling the amazing story of his amazing career. It's a pleasure to welcome to the program the one, the only, Mr. Donovan Bailey. Donovan, welcome to the program today. Uh, Thank you for having me, Ben. And, um, you know, uh, glad to be here and glad to talk to you. I am. I am so pumped, so excited. And I can imagine for you the last couple of months have been quite a reflecting one with this book out there, obviously working on this book for a little bit. But now that it's been out, for a couple of months, you've done a few of these interviews. You've been able to sort of relive your amazing career. How, how have you found sort of the feedback that has come since this book has been released? You know what? Um, I've been, uh, you know, I think that there have been inquiries about this book for, for the last 20 years. And, um, you know, I, I guess I can see I'm relieved that finally it's out there. And um, you know, I get to share my story again with, um, 
with track and field fans around the globe, especially Canadians and 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 um, and well, people in the Commonwealth, anyways. Um, so it's been it's been it's been amazing. Um, great feedback. Um, I realized that writing a book, I um, uh, I realized that there's there's probably you know 90 percent more stories to be told. So maybe there's another book or two in me. <laughs> it's always that way, isn't it? I guess once you sort of uncork that bottle and you start going down that memory lane of kind of all these other ones that don't fit in that that book. We see that with so many athletes who who kind of do that. But was there any particular sort of moment that really sort of uh, stood out to you in terms of just you know, uncorking that bottle, as I mentioned, to get those memories out and tell the stories in this book? There's lots. I mean, like I said, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, um, you know, I have an I have a I have an incredible group of friends that that are that's been with me since probably teenage years, high school, whatever. And, and what I find in doing the book is that, is that, um, you know, there are things, obviously there, there's some things that I remember because they're highlights in my, in my life. However, I think some of the best stories are, 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 are basically been left uh, because I forgot them. So, mm-hmm. so it's incredible that I have, um, again, I have a bunch of friends. I've got uh, some journalist buddies, um, you know, uh, training partners, athletes I competed against. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's still a lot more, but, but, but I think that, um, uh, with undisputed, it, it kind of, it formulates, um, the foundation in which my story is to be told. And so, uh, you know, you know, I think that, uh, you know, readers who are fans of mine, fans of athletics, uh, you know, fans of politics, fans of, fans of the, 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 the politics of sports, uh, fans of anything really, um, they can go out and get the book, and then uh, because it formulates the foundation, uh, then uh, then we'll be able to do one, two, three, four series. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like the Harry Potter series, basically. It's just a franchise. Could be. Could be. Go, go, going that way. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, with the athletics. I mean, we could have been here talking about something completely differently. Your dream was to be an NBA basketballer, Donovan. Uh, this is something that you sort of uh, pursued growing up. Uh, I mean, do you sort of reflect back now and think how differently had you – gone a different path and we've been talking to you here maybe as a as an nba multiple you know mvp champion <laughs> you know things along those lines rather than a two-time olympic gold medalist you know what um no um uh, there's a, i don't believe that there's any room in the nba for a six foot two power forward <laughs> which is what i played in college and what i played in high school obviously because of my athletic uh, my my blessed athletic ability uh, but you know what? I, I love basketball, man. I got to tell you. I mean, it's it's Monday, and uh, on and I play in the men's league still. So I wow. do play. I'm 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 literally playing tonight. Yes, I have a nice. game tonight. Uh, so so that dream hasn't died. Uh, there is no NBA calling. There will be no scouts. Uh, however, you know what? I I I love the game. I'm passionate about the game. I enjoy the game. It's still something that my body has held together, um, sorta. That it allows me to enjoy the game still at my age. The group of guys I play with are incredible competitors, and then we all go out and have a drink after it's all done, um, you know. And 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 so, uh, you know, basketball for me is a dream. I mean, was was a dream back then. It's a sport I'm passionate about. The issue, Ben, with me is that is this: I only have two gears. So when I got into basketball, it was just like it's I give it my all, and and you know what, you know. My oldest son right now, uh, Matthias, is is playing basketball at, at at a prep school in the USA. So he is living out his dream, and and secretly I can 
you know, vicariously live through him. So that's actually a good thing. I like that. I love hearing this about sort of this careers that happen afterwards of these passion. We had Simon Whitfield on last year and he's a big football fan. So he's, he's playing soccer on Vancouver Island kind of, you know, in this post Olympic career. Now we've got Donovan Bailey playing basketball. I mean, (laughs) is Wayne Gretzky secretly like a snooker champion? Like, I mean, I just, I love this kind of like second wind from Canadian legends who are doing other things. (laughs) Well, Wayne Wayne could be, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. Simon, like a hundred percent Simon. I see Simon playing football. That's just, that's just how he's made. Um, but yeah, Wayne, I'm very certain Wayne could do something. Wayne could do, listen, let me do, I, 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 I was actually watching some old clips of Wayne Gretzky and, um, when they used to have the, um, uh, sports all-stars, and this is many moons ago, and clearly I'm aging myself because it was even before I was an athlete. And then Wayne Gretzky ran like a 50 meter dash and like beat a whole bunch of footballers and basketball players. And I mean, so wow. Wayne is very talented, man. But either way, I believe that any athlete that you speak to anywhere in the world, uh, they always have a passion. Like, I mean, I don't know anybody that is that that is that is excellent in one thing or uh, with God-given talent in one thing, and probably wouldn't express, um, you know, that talent uh, into doing some other sport. Uh, basketball is mine. I, I play golf. I play a lot of golf in the summer too. But I like sports. Period. I like. I'm a fan of sports, which is um, kind of you know speaking to you today is great because I know you're you're a sports fan. Uh, you know, so so I mean, I, you know, if if the Australian rules football's on, rugby's on, uh, you know, I have friends right across the plane in American football, basketball, baseball, whatever. Uh, yeah. I love it. So, I, but basketball clearly, clearly is my time. <laughs> did you did you, when you been being in Australia? We're talking a bit off air about the times you've been here. You, uh, you get to check out a bit of Australian rules football. Kind of, what did you think about it when you saw it? I did. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, well, listen. I mean, that's a real man sport. You know, I spent. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I spent. I used to train for three or four months in Melbourne, and then we'll we'll go and uh, compete in New Zealand. Uh, but our base was in in, in Melbourne, and and then we'll we, we travel around Australia in a couple of the couple of the uh, the competitions that they have in your summer, which is now, I believe. Um, it's it's incredible. I mean, you know, Australian rules football, rugby. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't know if you know this, but um, you know, the, one of the best rugby players that ever lived in the world that ever was in the world is a guy named Jordan Aloma. So I, I mean, you clearly know who it is. But he trained yeah. with me for a very short period of time. Oh wow! Yeah. That's... So I mean, so yeah, he, you know, so I got to meet him, and I and I got to train with him a couple of times. Oh, he came and trained with us a couple of times. Um, one of the most incredible athletes, you know, for me to ever like be beside or or or, or to train with. I mean, so yeah, incredible. Uh, so yes, again, Australian rules football. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of athletics. I still, I still, you know, have my thumb on the pulse of of all the kids that are doing incredible things today. Uh, but yeah, I when I was in Australia, I got to see, you know, rugby, football, and also uh, I, I watched a lot of tennis in Melbourne. Great. Great. Well, obviously just seeing that happen, of course, uh, how big that happens there. The one part of your story that I absolutely love is the fact that, you know, touching on that basketball sort of side of things, it's, it's when you sort of decided to take sprinting more seriously. You're essentially working as a stockbroker. And yeah. then there's this story of you basically going on to a track meet with your friends and you had to borrow clothes to do a, a race and then win that race that kind of then ultimately led on a path towards that it's going to go on that. I mean, what point to you was it that you really thought, okay, this is something that I need to pursue that potentially this could take me far towards an Olympic Games? You know what? Let me, let me qualify that because a lot of times I speak to the average person. And again, I've been blessed to have fantastic 
physical tools. Now, when I decided when I was going to go watch Hopeton and and, uh, and Andre Matibier um, uh, when they were trying to make the the, the the our national team, I was playing basketball probably seven days a week, so I wasn't exactly a couch potato, okay? <laughs> you know, because I think sometimes like oh my god, you know, like there are times Ben when you have a conversation with someone, they think oh he was just sitting on the couch watching TV and drinking Coca Cola and eating. So um, donuts, and he just decided to go run. No, uh, I've never really, I've never been in terrible shape, right? I mean, maybe I'm in the worst shape of my life today, and I know that the shape that I'm in today, every single man on this planet would wish that they were in the shape that I'm in today. I was going to say, I guarantee you, you still probably beat most of us in 100 meters on them, just right. saying, and uh, even in the shape you're in today. Yes, yeah, well, well you know what? I've, I've been blessed uh, with fantastic genes. Uh, so, when I went to when I went to go watch uh, competition, I had been toying around with track and field, and also the fact that uh, I took it for granted. I knew I was fast. I've always known I, 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 I was fast. I was I was one of the fastest teenagers in Canada, you know, uh, you know, in my entire teenage years. So when I showed up, uh, you know, when I was working in business, and then I showed up to watch these guys, I was not exactly not in good shape, right? I mean, I wasn't, I, it wasn't track training, uh, but when I got in there and I won, I mean, I just thought that, um, and, and I guess my friends thought that I never worked at it. And I was beating the people that every day they're training, every day they're in weights and physio and great program and nutrition. And I really was just messing around, you know? So I think that it, it was from then that, you know, the great support system that I have, the friends that I have, you know, just said, hey, listen, um, you know, are you going to be, you, what, what, you need to stop messing around. And of course, uh, post that, when I met Dan Path, who was the greatest coach on earth, um, when I met him, he, he said, listen, when, if, and when you decide to take this seriously, you can be the greatest ever. Uh, but, and here I am. And he was, he was at the time he was at, um, uh, he was at Louisiana state university. And again, I went there and, I went there in March uh, of 1994, and and that's where the story began. Which is just incredible to think that in two years later you're you're Olympic champion. Was was the Olympics always on on the mind when things started to be serious, or was it when Dan came into the picture and he says you can be the greatest on earth? That then the Olympics sort of come into the mindset. You know what? I think that I always, uh, you know, I've, I've always had this um, broad confidence, and and uh, and I and I never I never looked at the Olympics or the World Championships as goals. Uh, what I wanted to do was probably to get myself in a incredible environment and an environment that was just breathing success. And so I'm, you know, like in Canada, you don't have it. Right. I mean, and at the end of the day, there were, you know, there's always people around you that if you're telling them a, a, a dream of yours, uh, but it's too crazy, they'll spend their time thinking this person is crazy. So Dan was the first person that said, you can do this. And then I got to Louisiana and they were just breathing success. You had, you had the, the, the college kids that were doing very good. Uh, you know, you had the professional athletes training with Dan and each of them were the number one or number two or top five in their actual event around the world. So when I got to that environment, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess sky is the limit, you know? So, I, you know, when I speak to kids now, man, I let them know that, I mean, you have to manifest all those things. Find the coach who can who can push you, 
and challenge you. Find training partners that can push you and challenge you. And then being in that environment where it's breathing success. And, and yeah, so when I got, when, so when I got to, uh, when I got to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I just saw all of that. Uh, so it allowed me to breathe every day and it allowed me to, you know, to, to manifest. It allowed me to be in that positive environment. It allowed me to challenge myself every single day in everything I do. So whether or not I was doing, whether or not I was stretching and, or warming up or, you know, going into an ice bath or, um, or lifting weights, uh, all of that to me was, was, was part of building. So I knew that at the end of all of that, that there was going to be success regardless of where it ended up. What a fantastic way of, uh, of saying that. And, and touching on, you know, you go into the book about how Muhammad Ali was an idol of yours and obviously kind of that level of bravado that you sort of had throughout the 90s. And, and you mentioned as a Canadian, that's not really something that Canadians are really known for. It's kind of, that's your neighbours to the south where you've got a bit more of that bravado and confidence going on there. So when you go to Louisiana, were you already a bit that way or did that kind of help you get out of your skin to be around sort of Americans who are maybe a little bit more, you know, out there than Canadians are sort of used to being? Well, I'm Jamaican. So <laughs> we are we are as brash, uh, as patriotic and as confident as anyone on the planet. So that's where I was born. <laughs> You know, I mean, again, the, the dominance of of of, of sports uh, of of track and field from this little tiny island of two plus million people is mm -hmm. evident in what it is that was uh, you know that's been done. Uh, but you know, so what? No, when I got to when I got to Baton Rouge, uh, you know, my confidence was already was already brim, brimming. I was I was a confident kid playing basketball in high school. Uh, you know, I ran track in high school, so my so my attitude was was very much the same thing. I didn't have to be I didn't have to be offensive to another person if I tell them that I'm tra I've trained really hard and I plan on winning. I didn't I, so I didn't have to say a bad word to them. I'm just like I don't know why you're here, but I I, I feel like I'm gonna win, right? Uh, so, but but when I got you know I've been called Ben. I think that um, I've been called um, uh, American, and that was a big insult back in the 1990s. Or on today, isn't it, Donovan? Come on. <laughs> Yes, and I'm just like, okay, so, so, so me being American means that I'm patriotic to the country that I'm from, uh, Canada. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm training really hard, and my intention is to be successful. I said, well, if that is what being American is, then I guess I am American. I said, in fact, uh, I mean, being Jamaican, that's exactly who we are. And and if you and understand, you know the, you know the incredible, like. The incredible success that again about the people from that island it's not just track and field or sports there's incredible footballers uh you know we definitely have some of the greatest musicians in the history of the planet bob marley uh you know is is the greatest one of the greatest musician that ever lived um but not only that i mean we've got scientists and mathematicians uh we've got people graduating from some of the greatest universities doctors lawyers so at the end of the day we're from, uh, we're, there's a small island who feel that they're a massive country. So, so when I got to Louisiana, it didn't really, it did, it kind of, I think when I got there, it embodied me being a confident person and it allowed me to flourish. And, and, and again, it was, it was, it was incredible. I, I actually remember when I got there and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, this is how it's going to be. I'm like, yeah, I'm home. I'm home for sure.
Nice, nice. Which it's kind of, it is an interesting fact because I find that a lot of what you said is similar to a lot of Australian athletes that kind of, we're not necessarily cocky and, you, you know, sort of on a public scale on that level as well. And when we kind of do get athletes like that, it is often, oh, they're American or things like that, which it is interesting that particularly in the hundred meters where it is a very much a confidence built sport, you're out there, you're sort of being that way that it can kind of still be looked down on that. It's very interesting to hear all that. Well, well, ultimately, um, one, our sport is an individual sport. Mm. And we all know that when you line up, and I, again, I say this to kids all around the, all around the world, no matter what happens, when you, and, and you don't necessarily have to look at the Olympic finals or the world championships finals, when you look at any event, you know, so I used to, you know, you go and watch local competitions, uh, you know, whether it's Brisbane or Melbourne or, you know, Sydney. I mean, you know, the eighth, the, the, the eight uh, athletes that are in the finals are the best physical specimen of that event in that region. I mean, obviously it goes from there all the way to the Olympic Games when you're looking at the greatest eight people on earth. Now, what separate number one from number eight has to do with the muscle between your ears. And obviously, if you are not confident and if you have not put the work in, and if you're not mentally, physically, and psychologically prepared, you're going to be one of the people that are not going to make it to the podium. You know, so at the end of the day, I, I, again, I encourage people that these are things that they must do. Believe, like, I always talk about support system. My family, my, I'm a mama's boy. Uh, my dad was my best friend. I had incredible support system. The buddies that I grew up with, um, like, from I went to boarding school, through high school, college, those are some of my, do, do, these are all my friends today still. And we've always challenged each other. So I try to explain to kids, you know, select really good people that are always going to help you along. I mean, and this goes in anything. This goes, Ben, with you as a journalist. You kind of go, okay, I need to be around other journalists. We're always doing good. So I can look at how it is that they're doing or how, can I, how, how I can improve. So I tell, kids this, I tell kids this all the time. What separates number one from number eight is what is between your ear. I mean, so ultimately, you know, mental and psychological um, training is just as important as physical. It, the physical part is the easy part, you know? So ultimately, that's really what it is. I, you know, I, I, and again, I, I point it out all the time. I, I, say, to, I say to kids and, and hopefully, hopefully my message is getting across. And, you know, if I, if I say one or two or three, uh, you know, every time I speak, then my work is done. Well, uh, you actually answered a, a question I was going to close on. Colin, our, our co-host, who sadly can't be here today, big fan of yours, and I'll mention something in that after, but he actually wanted you to give some advice to his son, Casper, because he, his son is literally about to start his first ever indoor track meet in a couple of weeks. So seven years old. So seven. I'm guessing all of that's been personally directed towards Casper then, Donovan. Well, Casper's got to enjoy it. I think that... Um... Yeah, listen, I, here's the thing. If I was looking at Casper right now, or Casper, listen to me. Uh, do you it's like Uncle it? Donovan. Yeah, Uncle Donovan talking. Do you like it? Do you enjoy it, right? That's the first thing, right? Do you eat your vegetables? Do you go to bed at night? Do you wake up? Do you get you have Wheaties? Uh, you know, do you enjoy being out there? Does it make you feel like a, I, I will say like an angel. So, but does it, when you're running, does it make you, does it, does it, uh, does it feel like you're flying? 
If that's the case, then enjoy it. It's one foot in front of the other. He's seven years old. So I'm not going to tell him to go lift weights or what to eat or how to train. I think that ultimately the fact that you can, you, you get serious about competition and as soon as competition is finished, you can laugh with your pops or laugh with your friends. That's really what it is. It's that the ultimate for me is, especially when kids are that young, get out there and enjoy it and have fun. That, that's what it is now. Obviously, it gets more serious when you're about 15, 16, 18. 18, it gets, it gets a little bit more serious. But for now, really, it's just, you're just enjoying it and having a smile and getting, a, get, getting some good sleep. Great, great advice, and I, I look forward to this clip being played in about twenty years on CBC when he's got that gold medal around his neck, and, you, and you've you've helped uh, you call that one. A couple of things that I just uh, would like to touch on, Donovan, just around sort of Atlanta and sort of things that followed. You touch in the book. I mean, your the goal that you won was pretty much the day of the bombing. Obviously, the the Atlanta bombing happened in the the very early hours of of the morning. You'd had your heats and your your quarterfinals the day before, and then the final and the semifinal that night. And you touch on the in the book just about how much security, obviously. There was, I, I believe, even the the Royal Canadian Mounted Police had to escort you to the stadium. Like, I mean, just did that play on the mind much? I mean, was there any sort of even doubt around whether the race would go on? Because obviously there was a lot of talk about maybe postponing or, or sort of cancelling. But I mean, just how did all of that affect the build up to your race that night? Oh, listen, I'm very certain that that it it added a a ton of cortisol in my back. I mean, ultimately, you know, I think this is crazy. Um, ben, we have, you know, I, I, I'm at the Olympic Games. Now, I was going, no, there's several other things I was happening, firing my agent, big Sports Illustrated article, um, you know, getting drug tested that night <clears throat> um, by our Canadian, our great Canadian um, officials. Uh, but, you know, I was, essentially, I was in the middle. So this would be, so if, if, if we're playing a sports, uh, if, if I'm playing like the Super Bowl or, or one incredible thing. This would be a, the halftime show was essentially what happened. I go to bed that night. The bombing occurs. I wake up in the morning. I think that my coach is challenging me to see if I'm in my zone still. He, put, he flicks on the TV. Yeah, we know that. We now know that there's a, there, there is a bombing for sure. Um, you know, someone's been uh, killed uh, and, and many people have been injured. So this is this is half time. I've done I've done two rounds up to 100 meters, like you just said, and at the, in those days you, you go four rounds, regardless whether you're number one in the world or you're number 200. Oh yeah, it was probably one of the toughest things that I had to go through psychologically, you know. Again, but I was prepared, uh, you know. Um, you know, obviously I was uh, I was very disappointed and very upset when Dan and I were having a conversation about the possibility of cancellation. So, uh, you know, what I have to do then is kind of get back to, I, I think I went and had a little nap is what I did about the cancellation. Because number one, my, my concern ultimately was about the safety of the athletes and of people in America and Atlanta around the games, especially, especially after what happened in Munich. Mm. So, you know, uh, when Dan came, I think Dan finally came in the room and said, oh yeah, by the way, it's probably a couple of hours later, he said, yeah, we're going to move on. We're going to, you know, I think they're not going to cancel it. We're going to go. <clears throat> and ultimately, man, you know, it's almost like flicking that switch again. It was, okay, okay. I am here. I'm on a mission. This, nothing is going to stop me from the goals that I've worked for 
and 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 I know I deserve and 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 uh, I know I expect, you know. So again, regardless of now, I, I mean, I, the, the the royal uh, the RCMP was there. I knew that, you know, I had the best people that was going to escort me to the to the track, um, and 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 you know, and, and if people and if every single person essentially is dedicating themselves and spending so much time in ensuring that I get to the track, then I have a responsibility. And for me, the responsibility was, uh, I mean, I knew I was going to win gold. I didn't know how fast I was going to run. That's Dan, that's, that's Dan and his stats. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, it's, I mean, mentally it was a very, very tough morning. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so when I finally got there, it was really was, um, yeah, it was really, really, really tough. I mean, and, and then of course we have the false starts, uh, which, 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 you know, by the time we got to the fall starts, I was just like, really, really? Like, I mean, like, it was just like, there's so much that's been going on that I said, no, no, I don't care now what it is. I'm on the track. My father was in the stands. Uh, my daughter was turning two at the time. She was in the stand. My family was in the stand. My, all my friends from high school had, you know, planes, trains, automobiles had actually came to, to Atlanta to watch. Um, so I'm like, no, 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 this is not, it, no, we, we, this is some, some, some stuff's going to go down right now and there's nothing or no one's going to stop. And nothing and nobody did. And, 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 the, and the rest of history. One, one other question I'd like to ask is fast forwarding a, a bit of time to sort of your analytics work that you obviously do now during, during the Olympics back, back in Rio, when Andre gets that bronze in, in the hundred meters, uh, Colin told the story a lot about sort of how, you watched the race back and sort of like, you know, there's footage of you and everything. And, and it became a bit of a big deal. Kind of here's Jonathan Bailey watching Andre de Grasse win, right. win, win this medal. Was that, was that planned? Or was that sort of something that sort of came along that once he won that medal, you did. And, and did you realize sort of that this was going to be a big deal? Cause I believe they did it with Mark Tewksbury with Penny Alexiak and kind of, this was almost a thing like, let's get these former champions to just kind of take through these new Canadian champions that are emerging at such a great games for Canada back in Rio. For me, it was not planned. For me, okay, I can only speak of me. Um, yeah. Here's how this works. I am a fan, and I've been the most successful. Um, I've been the most successful sprinter of my generation. My responsibility, Ben, is to play it forward. So any, so you know, I, in 2016, I see Andre running. Now I see like Zarnell Hughes in the UK doing amazing things. Akeem Blake uh, in uh, in Jamaica doing great. No allows in America doing amazing. I mean, you know, Ayrton, Arian Knighton. I mean, I'm just saying to you that, you know, uh, let's see let's Tobogo. I'm telling you that I'm a fan. And when I see kids that are doing amazing things, my job is to support them. I mean, I, as an ambassador of the sport and, and, and obviously one of the builders and the foundation, uh, you know, the, well, the, the continued foundation of this sport, my responsibility is to always cheer on the next kid, the next one that has a dream, the next one that has a dream. You know, I'm, I'm like, that's why like 2024, I'm so looking forward to what Elaine Thompson and Shelly Ann yeah. Frazier is going to do when they, when they get together. I'm looking forward to Shikari and Sharika. I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to some of the young athletes that are coming, the 18, 19 year old, you know, Brianna Liston. And I mean, and, and, and the twins that are working out in Jamaica, you know, I'm, and I'm also looking, obviously, for Talu, the people, the, the, some of the older athletes that are 
that are still doing incredible, incredibly well. I mean, so, I mean, I want to see what Marcel Jacobs is going to do, what his capabilities are. Uh, you know, for me, I think Marvin Bracey is one of the greatest sprinters. Is he going to get his mind right so, so that he can actually hold on for, for that last 30 meters and be the Olympic champion? So I, I am excited when you talk about athletics, athletes or athletics. I'm excited to always see those people. I mean, you know, when I see, I mean, I, but I'm saying just as that, I mean, I, I saw Dwayne Chambers ran a 60-meter dash a couple of weeks ago as a 48-year-old or whatever the hell he is right now, running 6.81. That's crazy. I mean, I sent a note to him. You could take him on, couldn't you? Come on. Oh, <laughs> me? Oh, God, no, 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 no. Those days are done. I'm a cheerleader now. I mean, but it's just like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Olympic champion, world champion, Linford Christie, incredible rival, great competitor, fantastic friend. I mean, he just benched 130 kilos. My God, at 60 years old. I mean, incredible. our sport is probably, our sport is the most popular individual sport on the planet. There is nowhere on this planet that someone is not running or jumping or throwing something. And there are times I think that maybe, again, because of the overarching um, politics of sport, um, we don't get uh, the recognition that we deserve. But I think that, um, you know, in my position as one of the pillars, um, hey, I, I got I to cheer on these kids. I mean, I got any time there's, I mean, you know, listen, I'm looking forward to Rowan Browning I hope well, I was going to bring him up because that you talk about the attention it gets. I swear, yeah. during Tokyo, we we won a record, equal record amount of gold medals at Australia's ever won at Olympics. Rowan Browning's win in his heat, I swear, yeah. was up there with all of those gold medals in terms of the attention and how popular it was. And we love the mullet, right? We love everything about him. I well, first of all, I mean, the other thing is all of the like you can you can I don't know all of the 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 the, the fast Australian athletes that were running the hundred. You know, I can name a few um, and that were part of the relay. We're always great friends. But yet the Canadians and the Australians and the British were always great friends. So when I see a win in Australia, when I see Rowan crushing it, I'm like, yes. You know what? I'm just saying to that, watching him, and I remember the first time he went sub 10, I'm like, what? Yeah, man, bring it. You know what I'm like? So, so again, I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do. Uh, you know, again, these are these are kids that I love. These are kids that I, I love to see winning, breaking records, uh, you know, taking their body to the next level, uh, challenging uh, the other great uh, athletes that are from around the world and having fun doing it. So, yeah, I mean, believe me. I love that I'm passion, Donovan. Care. The passion's still there. Like, I mean, you just want to be on that plane to Paris right now, I feel like. You're just like, come on, put me there, coach. I'm ready. Let's go. I, listen, I, I can talk a good game right now, but if, believe me, if I put some track shoes on right now, I'm not going to get far down the track. <laughs> guarantee you'd beat me although I'd, I'd be up for a challenge but i mean hey like let's be honest uh, most people mm. listen to this. before i let you go donovan the one thing i've got to say so obviously as i mentioned colin uh sadly couldn't be here today but mm. we're, we're an olympics podcast obviously we've been doing this now for, for eight years and nice. i don't think we would be doing this if it was for you because colin's asked me to pass on the message that you are basically the reason why he loves the olympics during during the atlanta olympics him and his friend were spending basically hours after your wins, just watching it over and over again on tape. And he has, you've got a photo behind you right now of you with the flag. He has, ever since day one, 
had a picture of you winning that gold medal in Atlanta sitting behind him. So uh, I just, I, I had to share that story. So thank you for helping us have this podcast, Donovan, because I couldn't do this by myself for eight years. Colin's obviously uh, very helpful. So I had to pass that message on on behalf well, of Well, listen, tell, give Colin a message for me. Or maybe I'll give it to him. Listen, dude, thank you for your support. And maybe I need to come back on when you're on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, though, Donovan, to chat. Of course, Undisputed, A Champion's Life is available now. You can get it via Amazon. Where all good books are sold, we'll put it up on our uh, pages for people to check it out. But, mate, seriously, you, absolute you. pleasure. And uh, we look forward to seeing how uh, you play out during uh, Paris this year on, on CBC and beyond. Yes. Well, you know, Ben, great chatting with you. And, yeah, you know what? Good luck. Good luck to all those kids trying to make it to Paris, uh, you know, you know, do every single thing that you can. Live it, breathe it, uh, manifest it. Uh, you know what? And and hope to see you all in Paris and, and uh, good luck. I mean, that's it. Stay healthy, good luck, and, and go get it. An absolute privilege to speak to Donovan today on the show. And a big thanks to his management for arranging that as well. Get his book. Seriously, get it. You won't be disappointed. And just incredible to learn all about that from him. Could have been a basketball player. We could have been talking to him about that career differently, as well as just all that information around the Atlanta bombing and just everything around that too. Just fascinating to hear that as well. And Colin, sadly, not on this episode, but inspirational for Colin and Casper as well. So potentially we'll get him back on the show in the lead up to Paris and then Colin can just sit there for half an hour and gloat with Donovan and I'll just sit in the background and just watch these two, which would be fantastic. But again, thanks to Donovan. If you want to see the video version of that, of course, head to our YouTube channel. And just on the quality of that one, a little bit different to what obviously you're used to on this show that was recorded while I was traveling the other side of the world in New York so uh, maybe why it sounds a little bit different to what you're used to on this show. Same with the video version of it, but we still obviously have it there for you, ready to go, and we hope you enjoyed it all the same. We have so many more great interviews coming your way as we get closer and closer to Paris. I keep saying we've got so many great things planned, and we really, really do on the show. We're amping up our coverage along the way, including next week we're speaking to a Paris Olympian. Jeff Dunn will be history, creating history in Paris as he will become the first ever Australian male breakdancer to compete at the Olympics. He is in the sport of breaking. He is confirmed to be going to Paris. And we sat down with Jeff at the end of last year to learn about his journey through the sport and what competing in Paris is going to mean for him. So that is a great chat coming your way next week. So make sure you stay tuned for that and stay tuned to everything else that we've got going here on the show. All the channels, of course, that we're on, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, all the other channels, I've gone blank apparently. Apple, that's the one that you usually remember. Uh, and that's where you can subscribe to the show. And of course, social media-wise, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, where you can follow us there and stay up to date. And let us know, as we always like to say in this part of the episode, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know who you'd like to hear from on the show. And we will do our best in order to bring that to you. So we thank you for your support. And we hope you are enjoying our coverage along the way. Thanks again to Donovan. Thanks again for you for tuning in. As always, remember to put a sock in a mountain. Go left. Jason Momoa. Everything else in between. The Birmingham Bull. You took the words right out of my mouth. I've already said my ending, but I'm going to say it again. Thanks for listening to Off the Podium. And remember to go left. Uh,